Welcome to Addiction and the Family, Episode 29, Innovations in Addiction Treatment. How has addiction affected your family? It robbed me of my father. Addictions affected my family in absolutely every way. Um, it has caused a lot of turmoil. It goes back to what I understand is at least three generations. It robbed my daughter of her mother. It robbed my mother of her daughter. Addiction has made our family quite challenging. Addiction affected my family tremendously. Uh, it's affected my relationship with my sister where I wouldn't I'd go for months without talking to her. It's a very difficult thing for everybody involved. It doesn't just affect the, the one individual. It's a disease that affects the whole family. Addiction has spread not only genetically through like some of my uh, relatives and I assume ancestors. It's uh, generational. I think of him every day. Welcome to Addiction in the Family, a podcast by and for family members of anyone with an addiction. My name is Casey Arriaga, and I'm a clinical social worker and addiction counselor at both Windmill Wellness Ranch and In Mind Out Emotional Wellness Centers, and I'm the author of Realistic Hope, the family survival guide for facing alcoholism and other addictions. And I'm Kira Arriaga, addiction counselor intern and recovery coach at Windmill. Casey and I were in our addictions together for over 10 years and have now been in recovery together for almost twice that long. I've led hundreds of family workshops, but just as important is that Kira and I have lived the experience of being family to addiction as both children and adults. Join us as we offer experience, strength, and realistic hope about how you and your family can find recovery together. In this episode, we have two interviews with leaders working on the cutting edge of addiction treatment. Psychologist Dr. Heather Ingram, owner and CEO of In Mind Out Emotional Wellness Center, talks about how she and her team use neurofeedback and biofeedback to help people retrain their brains. And then Shannon Mollish, LCSWS, owner and CEO of both Windmill Wellness Ranch and Brain Frequency, explains how she and her team have innovated new techniques in the use of magnetic stimulation to help people's brains to function more optimally. Both discuss some of the science behind what they do and how their approaches are improving addiction treatment outcomes. All this after a break to hear from one of our sponsors. Addiction in the Family is brought to you in part by the generous support of Windmill Wellness Ranch, an innovative treatment center located in the beautiful hill country of Texas and serving clients and their families from throughout the United States. I'm Shannon Mollish, CEO of Windmill Wellness Ranch. We offer the best in neurotechnology to heal the brain and the best therapy to heal the mind. Call us today at 210-762-6217. Welcome back. Anyone who has worked in the addiction treatment field is trying to recover from addiction themselves or has a loved one who struggles with addiction has heard about one magic bullet cure or another, some breakthrough that will change everything. Most of these end in disappointment because addiction is a complex condition that is not easy to beat. Nonetheless, researchers and clinicians are working tirelessly to help those seeking recovery get any edge they can. Today, we'll hear from two such people who are using related techniques to assist people in working directly on their brain function in ways that can help them with many issues, including addiction. Both have worked in addiction treatment, and both talk about how their work can help someone recover, in some cases making the vital difference to help them achieve long-term sobriety. 
Notably, the techniques they describe are not meant as a cure for addiction, but instead can help people stay engaged in recovery. This is very important because the biggest thing that trips up so many people is that they stop doing their daily recovery activities and then fall prey to relapse. By improving brain function, both Dr. Ingram and Ms. Malish help such people stay on course and live happier, healthier lives. To learn more, let's start with our interview with Dr. Heather Ingram. Dr. Heather Ingram, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So what do you see as some of the most exciting new approaches for treating addiction today? Hands down, neurofeedback and biofeedback, I would say, are the most exciting for me personally and for the clients that I have seen use the approaches. And what's exciting about those? I guess it would make sense for me to share a little bit about what they are. What neurofeedback is, is it's the ability for us to make the brain activity perceptible to the senses by means of taking EEG recording of the brain waves to start. And how we do that is we put sensors on the scalp and that gives us an EEG recording. And what we can do with the neurofeedback is compare that in real time to a normative database and we train to normative ranges. Well, when we do that, we are basically going to the gym for our brain. So we're strengthening neuronal networks that previously may have been underperforming or overperforming, and we teach the brain how to behave differently. After about 20 to 30 sessions, what we're doing is solidifying the neuronal networks that we are creating or uh, teaching how to behave differently. When we do that, people change because we are a system, everything's connected. Uh, the brain is kind of that, the hub of who we are. And when we are able to move the brain activity into optimal ranges, people get better in a whole host of different ways, including with addiction issues. So for instance, I have a client who has been doing neurofeedback now for 25 sessions and is reporting to me pretty consistently uh, that not only has she noticed a change and other people around her are asking her what new drug she's on, she's noticing it as well and she's in a different place cognitively and emotionally than she once was. And that's observable to other people. What's not observable are the things that she's reporting related to her addiction, like reduced cravings, feeling like she has better control over her urges when they arise to use, whether that's in terms of her love addiction or whether that's in terms of her thinking about using marijuana. What she reports is it's just easier to let those thoughts come and go than it used to be. And that's what we hope for and that's why I'm so excited about that. There's also biofeedback, which is gaining control over our physiological responses in order to produce cognitive and emotional change. 
So for instance, oftentimes in therapy, we teach these techniques for people like learning how to breathe or something like that, which directly ties into our emotional health. For instance, if we're having a panic attack, we can gain control over that through use of gaining control over our physiological response. Same thing if we are doing something called urge surfing, where a client may be struggling with an urge to use alcohol or drugs. And what we oftentimes talk to clients about is learning how to ride that urge, how it doesn't stay forever. It's kind of like waves in the ocean, it comes and it goes. And so teaching people how to gain control over their physiology directly ties to our psychological state and can help us ride those urges. So in biofeedback, we show people what's going on with their physiology, what's going on with their breathing or their temperature or their heart rate, and teach them how to look at their physiology and gain control over it to the point where eventually they no longer need the machine to help them do that and they can take those tools with them. Those are things that really excite me. What do you think is the further promise of this approach? I think there's a view of addiction issues, for instance, as something that will maybe never go away in our brain. I think the brain is more malleable than we give it credit. And I think there's ways that we can teach it to strengthen maybe not so that everything disappears but so that we have a different level of control over ourselves and our, our thinking and our emotions in ways that were previously not considered possible even with the use of medication for instance now what do you consider most important for families to know about all this i think What's most vital for families to know is that this exists. I have had so many conversations with parents and clients who after change are crying in my office telling me why didn't anybody tell me this existed? Why didn't I know about this 20 years ago? Why didn't my doctors tell me that this was permanent? when I'm seeing change that they told me was impossible. That is important to me and that's why I continue to spread the message because of the people in my office who tell me that. And one of the reasons why I've done this work is to help people and to do what is effective and to seek out what can assist people to be their best. and. That is the power of neurofeedback and biofeedback in a similar way that therapy is powerful and, and AA and Al-Anon is powerful. It has weight and we're just at the beginning. So it's exciting. Yeah, I can't help but notice even when you're talking about it, seeing the emotion come up. It's beautiful. It's hard not to be emotional when you have a parent in your office crying and telling me that they never thought what they're seeing was possible for their child. That is very emotional and I'm human and it makes me overjoyed and it gives me motivation to continue talking about it and sharing it with clients and other people so that they know.
it's, it's out there. There's hope. Dr. Ingram, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your experience and your enthusiasm for this breakthrough and such an important technique. If you want more information about Dr. Ingram's work, visit www.inmindout.com. We're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back with our interview with Shannon Mollish. Among our sponsors, the most important one is you. If you like what we're doing in Addiction and the Family, here are some ways you can help support it and carry the message further. If you haven't read Casey's book, Realistic Hope, the Family Survival Guide for Facing Alcoholism and Other Addictions, it is now available in paperback on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online retailers. It's also available on Kindle, Nook, and Apple Books. If you have read it, tell a friend, family member, or anyone you meet who might benefit from its message. If you feel so inspired, please write a review on Amazon or any of the other retailers. Last but not least, we are on Patreon under Addiction and the Family. Thanks for all your support. We couldn't do this without you. Welcome back. Here's Casey's interview with Shannon Mollish. Welcome to Addiction and the Family. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Thank you, Casey. I am Shannon Mollish. I'm the CEO of Brain Frequency and Windmill Wellness Ranch. Wonderful. Well, we've been working together for a few years. It's such a pleasure to finally get you on the show. Thank you, Casey. And we're here talking today about innovative techniques that are being used, kind of cutting edge stuff in dealing with addiction. And there've been so many promised new, here's the amazing thing that's gonna revolutionize the field. But we know that new things do happen that start to make a difference that offer things that maybe weren't available before. And you've been working for a few years now on something that fits that bill really well. Can you talk a little bit about just overview what that is? Sure. Um, I first began being interested in the brain when I saw that we would have so many people that would come in and they would learn all of the tools and we would tell them what to do and yet they would still call me and say they were depressed or had anxiety or had relapsed and I've always been very interested in the brain. So I began studying TMS with some of the best that there is out in Germany and they have a research facility there. Can you take a moment to tell people what TMS is? Oh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. And so that's been around for a couple of decades and that is treating one area of the brain that a psychiatry came together and said a lot of depression resides in this this area of the brain and and that's true but that's not where all the depression is and tms works for about 20 percent of the population and that's measured by a drop in psychometric scores such as like the depression scale and if they have dropped that score by 60 percent they call that success and that's with people being on antidepressants or off antidepressants so i also began to be interested in emdr many many years ago and saw that doing that type of therapy you could actually neuromodulate memories and then, we take a second for our audience members that don't know kind of what is emdr okay emdr is eye movement desensitization reprocessing And what that does is work with the amygdala and hippocampus in your brain and we're essentially as a therapist 
moving memories from one area to the logical side of the, uh, the brain. And so that helps a lot of people with a lot of trauma or PTSD. And so when I saw that and then learned about TMS, and then I had used an alpha stem, which is a device that came out about 20 years ago for anxiety reduction that you clip on your earlobes and delivers a little bit of a pulse. Um, I saw that there could be some major changes in dealing with the brain. So in doing that, I began looking at the brain differently. I started to look at the EEG. Um, if somebody is in a rested state but awake, what does the brain look like? And we found many commonalities around especially addiction. Those that were chronic relapsers fundamentally didn't have movement in the areas of the brain that govern judgment and impulse control. And you said an EEG for our listeners, what's that? So what that is, it is a cap that you put on your head and a technician does this. I have a 1020 cap, which means it's gonna measure 19 areas of your brain along with your heart rate and we're gonna see what kind of electrical activity do we have in those 19 areas of the brain. And so that's essentially what an EEG is, and it gives you a summary of, of that data. So we put the, the cap on for about five minutes, and then it gives me a summary of that data on how it's working in those 19 areas. Okay. And so when we look at those 19 areas Oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes we can tell if they're struggling with certain things, whether that's short-term memory, impulse control, uh, depression, have poor sleep, um, many, many different issues. Um, and so we began using magnetic stimulation to essentially balance those areas of the brain for people that didn't have the uh, uniformity of neuromodulation in those areas of the brain. And I've gotten a chance to see you in action with some of this stuff so we can pull a client up who's say at the treatment center and look at a picture of what's going on in their brain. So it's not like we're looking at a little image of a brain, but we're looking at a graph yeah. that will show different areas of the brain and say, hey, this one's really low. This one seems to be doing pretty well. This one doing okay, but needs improvement. And so what makes brain frequency different than standard TMS to address that? Okay, so standard TMS will only neuromodulate or bring energy to one area of the brain. That is called the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. And it's a little area on the side of your brain. And the way they decide how much energy they're gonna apply there is by taking a magnet over your motor cortex which is on the top of your head and they're going to stimulate you and basically turn that machine up to see when your thumb moves once your thumb moves then they know they've made an action potential and so the math behind it is like this if your thumb moves here at a hundred hertz we're going to go ahead and make that 120 times that amount and apply it in the area where most of your emotions reside, the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. Okay, so most TMS is doing that, is just sort of zap One, it really hard with magnet. Yeah, really okay. hard. It is, from what I've heard, painful, feels like a jackhammer, it's loud, and it's one area of the brain. 
and it does help some people. It really does. So but where is that different than brain frequency? What is the TMS does not do an EEG. They're not looking at what areas are not balanced or what's going on with that particular brain. They don't do that at all. We have a roadmap so we can see what's not functioning well. Then we apply the magnet to the areas that are not functioning well instead of just one area of the brain. Okay, so it's much more personalized. Oh, very personalized. Yeah. Well, that does make a lot more sense. It does. It really <laughs> does. <laughs> so um, let's look and see. So there's some of the science and the technical stuff going on behind it. What are you trying to accomplish with this? Like, what what is the point of making a map of the brain and and hitting it with magnetism? Well, um, a lot of it is where I saw a lot of medications were falling short or there was a lot of side effects. It was difficult to watch. And then when I would ask somebody why they had relapsed, it's usually one of four answers, but uh, one of them being, I stopped taking my medication or my medication wasn't working any longer. And I thought, there's gotta be a better way to do this. When you wrap around trauma therapy, recovery therapy, and we're taking people's blood work, make sure there's nothing medical. The one place we were missing was the brain, so. Well, it seems kind of funny because the brain is the source of our problem, we're it, addiction. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, so if we can get that right, what, what would it look like? So my mission statement is a little bold and grandiose. It is to help the globe heal from the toxins, trauma, and life, honestly. I mean, it's a bold mission statement, but I'd like to see this therapy everywhere and try that first instead of putting other chemicals in your body. I'm not saying that medications don't do a good job and that they're, they, they help a lot of people, but I also know they cause a lot of side effects for people that they wish they didn't have. And so um, it, it's, it's a more natural way, so to say, um, because your brain already runs off of your own electricity. A lot of people don't know that you take glucose in your body, which can be strawberry sundae or it can be a potato, and that makes your brain run uh, off of electricity. And, and what we're able to do in the EEG is capture what electricity do you have in your brain and how is it operating and how many times do you sample the environment per second. So we're able to apply that same energy in the areas that are not functioning correctly. So what I hear is kind of like seeing a personal trainer at the gym where somebody does a thorough analysis says, here's the muscles that are strong, here's the muscles that are weak. We're gonna to put together a personalized recovery, or in this case, a personalized treatment program for your brain, just like you might for somebody's body to say like, here's what we wanna tone up, here's what's doing well already. Let's go ahead and get you there, as opposed to here's the one workout that everybody does no matter what. Exactly, exactly. And I have alluded to this many times and I think to myself, oh gosh, my phone needs another update. My, my computer needs another update, but yet nobody's really looking at their brain. And it's, it's our biggest asset. It's what's taking us through life. And, you know, I was listening to this guru the other day and he's talking about the soil and how we're not putting the nutrients back in the soil that's feeding our bodies and an orange back in 1930 
had a lot of nutrients in it. And today you need to eat eight of those oranges to get the same nutrients. And it's affecting our brains as a result. Even the food we take in and, and the toxins that we, we take in from outside down to our deodorant, we are changing our brain chemicals. And we have a solution in order to try to balance those back to give you a much better quality of life. So what kind of effects have you seen so far? I have seen amazing things happen. So we do administer psychometric assessments. And what those are is those are valid tools that a lot of researchers put together to measure certain things like anxiety, depression, ADHD, sleep. We've got 19 different ones depending upon the chief complaint. And what I've been able to see is those drop at such a rapid level after 10, 20, 30, 40 treatments, some people need 20 treatments, some people need 30, some people need 40. But what I've been able to see and hear the most is people tell me, this is the thing that really helped my anxiety go away. Or I haven't felt this good since I was a kid. Or I feel normal, I hear that a lot. And there's no way for me to measure normal, but it helps people in so many different ways. Uh, I had a a guy that had neuropathy in both of his feet from Vietnam and all of a sudden he could feel his feet again. Now that was not our objective, that was a secondary gain. He was here for anxiety, depression, and a substance use disorder. But the one thing that I've been able to see clearly is windmill wellness measured by a third party has the highest recovery rates in the nation and that is part and due to the incredible clinical model that we have at Windmill Wellness Ranch with the combination of brain frequency. And so what I've been measuring is what is the difference between people that get brain frequency and the people that don't get brain frequency. And there's quite a spread there. On average, it can be anywhere from 15% up to 20%, depending upon what cohort we get in here. So it's a large amount. And you mentioned the psychometrics, so in that case, you're looking at different well-known assessments to say what's someone's level of depression, level of anxiety, PTSD effects, quality of life, how much do they sort of tune out in their lives versus being present. And we can really see those numbers change over time as they're doing the treatments. Right. So the first time you come in, you get an EEG and you take those assessments. Then you have 10 treatments. We do the EEG again, and then we take the same assessments. So we're able to see the progress as somebody goes through treatment and they can see their progress because there hasn't been an objective tool that I know of where you can really combine with a subjective tool that we can see change over time. And so it's been a, a good measurement tool for us in the clinical field to watch. And I know some of our listeners might listen to this and say, okay, this sounds all really cool and sort of, uh, you know, future is now kind of thing. You put on some cap, they're gonna use a magnet, they're gonna measure my brain, all this kind of stuff. We've talked about the technical stuff behind it, but what kind of research or science is there to back up what you're doing? So I have four years worth of data and I've measured year over year and it shows the same drop in psychometrics percentage wise within a few percent each time. So when you compare that to let's say somebody that got uh, CBT, which is a type of counseling and they're taking scores over time mm -hmm. as compared to brain frequency, there is a much larger substantial drop in symptomology 
for whatever that chief complaint is. So I've measured it against different types of therapies. I've measured it against TMS itself. One of the big differences is that with TMS, we have a larger drop in depression, but it's also durable, meaning that people so far, we haven't had to see them come back for ongoing treatment. TMS requires refreshers, so to say. Okay. Now there's a lot I don't know. I don't know once somebody starts to experience menopause, will the chemicals in the balance of the brain change? It might. I've treated some younger adults and younger kids, like in their teens, will their brain change significantly enough? And so once their brain is done being formed, like for men it's 26, females about 24, what do hormones and the brain changing going to do? Will they require more treatment or not? There, there's a lot I don't know. But what we do know is that this therapy works substantially as per the psychometrics and self-report for a lot of people. So uh, we do start clinical trials actually next Monday and we are taking on the biggest and hardest and baddest one, substance use. So we didn't start lightweight. We didn't start with, let's measure if it, uh, you know, the anxiety. No, we went for the biggest and the hardest. So we'll see what effect this has on substance use disorder. That's a pretty big deal. And I want to thank you for that work. So if somebody out there is listening as a family member, or maybe somebody who's always in or is seeking recovery themselves, where would they go to find out more? And where would they go to, they want to try this treatment themselves? Thank goodness we're on the other side of COVID because we had to stop treating so many outpatients then. Not that we're going to be able to treat a whole lot during our clinical trials, but if they'd like to check us out and we can see if we can work with them, go to brainfrequency.ai or they can call 830-730-5100. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for the work you're doing and thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you, Casey. And there we have it, two interviews with two innovators who are breaking new ground in addiction recovery. Thanks for being with us through another episode of Addiction and the Family. As they say in many recovery meetings, take what you liked and leave the rest. Go out and explore the possibilities for recovery in your life and give your loved ones the space and dignity to make their own choices. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe. It means a lot to us. If you know anyone else who could use what we have to offer, please tell them about Addiction to the Family. If you have comments about this podcast, have a question you'd like to answer it on the show, or want to contribute your voice, or just want to say hi, you can write to us at addictionofthefamily at gmail.com. We're also happy to be your friend on Facebook, and we can be found tweeting on Twitter. Addiction in the Family is produced, written, and engineered by Kira and Casey Ariaga, with music by Casey.